0: Hello and welcome to the Bible Initiative podcast. My name is Tim Fritzen. I'm the lead pastor at Liberty Christian Fellowship. A little bit differently than in some of our other supplemental podcasts throughout the Bible Initiative, we want to encourage you uh, to be in a spot where you can listen to this sitting down with a couple of things in front of you. One of those would be your Blue Bible Initiative booklet. The other would be a Bible that you can have open to your table of contents. Now, here's a caveat. If you're less likely to listen to this in a place... Uh, where you're not driving to work or in the car or on a walk or running an errand or something, then go ahead and listen to it now. But if you can make some time to sit down at your kitchen table or uh, on the couch in your favorite recliner, maybe sit down with your family and listen to it that way with those two items in front of you, I think it will be a little bit easier to follow. What we're going to be walking through today is a very densely packed period of Old Testament biblical history in a podcast that we're calling Explaining the Prophets. If you're able to, start with us by just looking at the table of contents in your Bible. We just want to point something out to you uh, as we start here. If you're looking in just the order of your Old Testament books, what you'll see is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and 1 Samuel. From Adam in the book of Genesis, all the way down to First Samuel chapters 8 and 9, right before Saul is pronounced as the first king of Israel, what you're looking at there is roughly 3,000 years worth of history, give or take uh, a handful on either side. But then as you continue looking at your, your table of contents, from First Samuel chapter 9 through the remaining books of the Old Testament, so First and Second Samuel... First and second Kings, first and second chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, set Job aside, then Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Those books all take place within roughly a thousand years worth of history. So what began in the Old Testament narrative as kind of a sprawling uh, telling of large chunks of history gets condensed down all of a sudden into a very eventful, densely packed thousand years. In that time, all the kings of Israel come and go. All the prophets in both Israel and Judah come and go. David writes uh, much of the wisdom literature. He writes Psalms, and then his son Solomon writes Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon and Prophets Come and Go. And it's all happening very quickly as the story of Scripture escalates to the point of God bringing humanity's Savior, Jesus Christ, into the world. And so it's just important to note here as we begin that not all of the contents of the Old Testament are treated equally, so to speak. There are incredibly important figures that come into play here in this thousand-year window of period that we're going to talk about uh, on this podcast, but they don't get quite the length of time that some of the important figures got in the first 3,000 years in, say, the book of Genesis or Moses in the book of Exodus, and it's just important to understand that these books begin to happen very, very quickly, and so in terms of the actual narrative books that we're going to be reading throughout the Bible initiative— um, we're in First and Second Kings right now, but it's also important to note that First and Second Chronicles are some of those narrative books. But they do a lot of retelling of what happens in First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings. So we're not doing any reading out of those. It's not that they're not important. It's not that they don't contain. Um, Passages of scripture that we can certainly learn from. Scripture tells us that all of the Bible is God breathed and is uh, useful for teaching and correcting and reproof and training in righteousness and righteousness, and we affirm that, but we've tried to keep our reading plan streamlined into the primary storyline of the Bible. So for that reason, because first and second chronicles uh re-detail a lot of what we see in 1st and 2nd Samuel and 1st and 2nd Kings, we've chosen not to have any readings out of them. Um, so what we're going to do today is acknowledge that all of the prophet books from, Jer- or from Isaiah and Jeremiah all the way down to Malachi fit inside the narrative of the Bible. Particularly, they fit inside First and Second Kings, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. They fit in the time period, the era of Old Testament history, which is the kingdom and the exile and the return. And so what we're going to do is we're going to walk through exactly how those prophets fit inside that narrative history. And so if you would, grab your Blue Bible Initiative book, and we're going to walk through a couple of the visual elements over the next few weeks of our reading plan. Before we jump into the prophets specifically, it's going to be really helpful for us to be as thorough as we can in positioning ourselves historically and contextually within... Where we are in the Old Testament narrative. And so if you've got your Blue Bible Initiative book, open up to page 43. I'll give you just a second to turn there. What you're going to see on page 43 is a map. It's a map that shows the divided kingdom of Israel. Israel in the north, 10 tribes in the north, Judah in the south, two tribes in the south. That split takes place in 1 Kings chapter 12. And once that happens, There are 19 kings who rule in Israel, and there are 20 kings who rule in Judah. If you flip just a couple of pages to page 47 in your book, you'll see a listing of all of those kings. All the kings in Israel listed, as well as the dates that they reigned, and all the kings in Judah listed, as well as the dates that they reigned. And some of them are highlighted in blue because those are the kings that can be characterized as good kings. They helped... Uh, God's chosen people, the Israelites, worship him, return to him in faithfulness. You'll notice that those kings only pop up in Judah. There were no good kings in Israel. It's also important to note we included the dates uh, that all those kings reigned because it's important to remember that these were real people situated in real history, um, the names of, of kings and rulers that we see throughout the Old Testament aren't fictional characters. They were real individuals who ruled over real nations in real time. And so it's important to see uh, the dates that they, that they reigned. If you flip a couple more pages over to page 51, you'll see that we leave the kingdom period era of the Old Testament, and we go into the exile era, and there's a map there displaying exactly how that took place. You'll see that in 722 BC, Second Kings 17, the northern kingdom of Israel is taken into exile. They're forced out of the promised land by the Assyrians, and then in three separate waves uh, sometime later, in 606 BC, 597 BC, and 586 BC, the Babylonians come, and they do the same thing to Judah. Both of those happen for the same reason. It's a judgment upon the Israelites for their lack of faithfulness and obedience to the Lord. And so uh, that exile era is one of the saddest in the uh, narrative of the Old Testament. And the reason is that promise that God made to give the Israelite people land in a place where they could live appears to be uh disappearing. It appears to be evaporating before the Israelites. Now, the beauty of the Bible is that that's not the end of the story, and so we'll we'll get there eventually. If you flip a couple more pages, there's a chart on page 55 that shows all the prophets. That's what we're going to work with here in just a few minutes. On page 59, there's our listing of the nine heirs of the Old Testament, and return is highlighted. That's because that's the final a piece of the Old Testament narrative that actually has books that go along with it. The silence period is just that. It's silence. There's no scripture that comes from it. And so if you flip to page 63... You'll see a map that shows exactly how the return worked, that in three waves, 536 BC, 448 BC, and 444 BC, the Israelites got to return to their promised land. They came back to Jerusalem, rebuilt the walls, rebuilt the temple, read scripture in front of all the people. They kind of rebuilt the people, if you will. Uh, And that is this triumphant moment that the Israelites get to return to their promised land after years in exile. So all of that, we we walk through all of that to say there's a lot happening in the next few weeks of our reading plan. And all of the narrative that you're going to be reading, all the different kings who come and go, the different people who lead the Israelites back into the promised land, exactly how the exile happens, all of that is contained. But there's a huge chunk of scripture, all the prophets, that's happening at the same time that isn't contained. And so if you'll flip back with us to that chart of the prophets that was on page number 55 in your book, we're just going to walk through that chart together, help you understand it, and see how it is that the prophets fit into the narrative of the Old Testament. Okay, two things in front of you now. Page 55 in your blue Bible Initiative book, that's the chart that shows all the prophets, and then the table of contents of your Bible. Let's just look really quickly again at your table of contents. What you should see looking at your table of contents is that after all of the books that we're going to be reading, the narrative books of the Old Testament, there are the wisdom books, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Job is all about suffering. Psalms is all about worship. Proverbs is all about wisdom, Ecclesiastes is about meaning and purpose, and then Song of Solomon is all about marital relationships. Those are called the wisdom books. Then there are 17 prophet books. Five of them are considered major prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Twelve of them are considered the minor prophets. Those go from Hosea all the way down to Malachi. Don't let the words major and minor throw you off. It's not about importance, it's about length. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel... And Daniel are just longer than the rest of the prophet books. So that's why they get the distinction that they do in terms of their message or what they came to say. It's not an issue of importance. It's strictly an issue of length. 17 prophet books, 5 major, 12 minor. Now, if you look back over at your chart in the blue book, we're just going to start to walk our way through it. We'll continue to kind of position where we are historically in the context of the story with who these prophets are and what they come to do. So if you're looking at your chart, you'll see that Saul becomes the first king over the United Kingdom of Israel. That's why there's one line in 1051 B.C. He reigns for 40 years. And in 1011 B.C., David becomes king. David rules for 40 years. So in 971, David's son Solomon takes over as king. And 40 years after that, in 931, 1 Kings chapter 12, the kingdom of Israel splits into two. Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Follow the line of Israel up to the north. Two prophets, both of them happen to be minor prophets, are sent to Israel In order to proclaim to them that if they don't return to the Lord in faithfulness and obedience, then judgment is coming. They are Amos and Hosea. Now, I'm going to give you some lame, kind of cheesy ways to remember some of these things, uh, some of the prophets and who goes where. And the first one is right now, Amos and Hosea. You can think of it as, ah, judgment is coming. Amos, Hosea, A. H. They're sent to the northern kingdom of Israel to warn them about judgment. And then in 722 BC, the Assyrians arrive, and they take the northern kingdom of Israel into exile. That happens in 2 Kings chapter 17. So that's the northern portion, 19 kings, none of them good, two prophets uh, sent between the years of 931 and 722 BC, Amos and Hosea. Let's go... The other direction on our chart now. So 931 BC, 1 Kings chapter 12, the kingdom splits into two. Judah, two tribes, the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, form a kingdom in the south. Now they get a whole lot of prophets who are sent to them. They get Joel, Isaiah, Micah, Zephaniah, Habakkuk, and Jeremiah, who are all sent to them between 931 and and 586 BC, and they all come proclaiming a very similar message to the one that Amos and Hosea said to Israel, that if God's people don't return to him in faithfulness, then judgment is going to come. There's going to be exile, and that's exactly what happens. And so in three waves, 606 BC, 597 BC, and 586 BC, the Babylonian Empire comes, and they take The people of Judah into exile, they forced them out of the promised land. All of those prophets, Joel, Isaiah, Micah, Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Jeremiah, in Judah, Amos, and Hosea in Israel, they're all prophets that we would call pre-exilic, or before the exile. They're sent to warn the Israelites, God's chosen people, that exile is coming if they are not faithful. And in fact, exile comes to both kingdoms at two separate times. One way that you can remember the prophets who are sent before the exile to Judah is with a very strange mnemonic device that is Jim's hamburger joint. Jim's, J-I-M-Z, hamburger joint, H-J. Joel, Isaiah, Micah, Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Jeremiah. It's really weird, but I have never forgotten it because it is just weird enough to remember. Jim's hamburger joint. The exile is the era of Old Testament history that comes after the kingdom era. And during the exile, there are three prophets who come. There are three books of prophecy that are written. One is Lamentations, one Ezekiel, and one is Daniel. You can remember those three by thinking of the the phrase, the word led. The Israelites, the people of Judah specifically in this case, are led into exile. Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Those three prophets are the exilic prophets. During the time of exile, these three individuals, uh, these three books are written, um, within Old Testament scripture. We're actually going to read one of them, the book of Daniel, which is a beautiful picture of how it is that a person could remain faithful to the Lord despite not living in the promised land. And so we'll get to that in a few weeks. When the Israelites begin to come back from the exile, uh, There's a back and forth that takes place between the narrative portions of Scripture and the prophetic books. And so this era of the Old Testament is the eighth of the nine eras, which is called the Return Era. It plays out like this. A man named Cyrus becomes king over the Persian Empire in 539 BC. Uh, The Persian Empire takes over the Babylonians, and so now all of these... uh, Israelite people who are living in exile fall under Cyrus's reign, and he determines in 536 that some of them can go back with a man named Zerubbabel in order to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And so Zerubbabel takes a group of individuals back, 536 B.C., in order to begin rebuilding the temple, which had been destroyed during the exile. They do some decent work on that, but the work gets stopped at a certain point. And so in 520 two prophets come, Haggai and Zechariah, and they basically encourage the people to continue faithfully doing the work of the Lord that God had sent them there for, which was to rebuild the temple. And then in 516 BC, the temple is completed. In 448 BC, Ezra, who is a priest, returns to Jerusalem with the intent of Rebuilding the people, if you will. Zerubbabel rebuilt the temple. Ezra rebuilds the people. They come back and they reestablish God's law. He reads it in the hearing of all of the Israelite people. Ezra um, and Nehemiah are contemporaries. Nehemiah comes back in 444 BC in order to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem and provide a sense of safety and security for the Israelite people. Uh, Nehemiah is a fantastic story about persevering and remaining faithful to the Lord in the face of opposition. We'll read that here in a few weeks. And then finally, the last piece of the return era of the Bible is the prophet Malachi. He comes in about 420 BC. He's the final word that comes to God's people in the Old Testament, because after Malachi comes the silence era of the Old Testament, in which there's no prophet, no scripture, there's nothing until the birth of Christ, and so that's why we call it the silence period. There are three prophets, if you look back at your table of contents, who don't fall onto our chart here. They are Obadiah, Jonah, and Nahum, and there's a reason for that. It's because God sends them not to his own people, but to another group of people. Remember, God's promise to Abraham was never just about the Israelites. It's always been about the whole world. And even with God's prophets, we get a picture of his heart for the people of the world, all the nations, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. And so these three prophets get sent outside of Israel. Obadiah is sent to Edom. Jonah and Nahum are sent to Assyria, which is really interesting to think about because the Assyrians are exactly who end up taking the Israelites into captivity. Um, Sheds a little bit of light on why Jonah does not want to go there. He views the Assyrians as enemies, and yet God sends him there to proclaim repentance, that if they would turn to the lord he would spare them judgment it's exactly what happens at the end of the book it's a beautiful picture of god's heart not just to redeem the israelites but to redeem all of humanity from their sin i know that was quick but i hope it helps shed a little bit of light on what is really the vast majority of the old testament all the way from the midpoint of say first samuel down to the end of malachi is a thousand years of history that all fits together very nicely while David and Solomon are reigning as a king as kings over the united kingdom of Israel they write psalms and proverbs and ecclesiastes and song of songs and then after the kingdom splits in 1 kings chapter 12 all of these prophets begin showing up both in Israel and in Judah proclaiming that judgment is coming And that judgment comes in multiple waves and at different times to the northern kingdom and to the southern kingdom and there are prophets who are writing and speaking in the midst of that exile and then there are prophets who are encouraging and continue to spur on God's people once they return to the land and then in about 400 BC everything goes silent and there's not another word another prophet there's not any more scripture from the Lord until Jesus arrives on the scene and brings with him the final and ultimate hope of salvation and redemption from sin for all of humanity I hope this has helped shed uh, a little bit of light on what we think is potentially one of the more challenging aspects of the Old Testament. And it's that when you begin reading it, it's not perfectly linear Genesis to Malachi. Those prophets fit inside the history of the Old Testament. And so as we're reading chronologically, trying to understand the narrative of the Bible, Genesis, all the way to Revelation, we wanted to make sure that we paused to help clarify exactly how it is, to explain how it is that the prophets fit into the larger story. As always, we encourage you to check out uh, the resources online at www.thebibleinitiative.com. We look forward to continuing to walk alongside you as we read the large story of God redeeming humanity from their sin. We're nearing the end of the Old Testament. Uh, If you've fallen off the wagon a little bit reading, this is a great time to jump back on because in just a few weeks, we're going to arrive at the Gospels. And understanding the Old Testament is paramount to understanding the magnitude of Jesus' arrival. We will see you soon. Uh, We will be praying that your reading continues to go well and that God continues to illuminate himself to you through the study of his word.